It is that time of the week when we visit with our friend Jamie Court, C-O-U-R-T, and we're talking consumer protection. And we've got three enormous topics today, three big topics on consumer protection. Consumerwatchdog.org does great consumer protection. Check them out online, consumerwatchdog.org, and you will see that Jamie Court is the president. A lot of great people at consumerwatchdog.org. And Jamie, always nice to have you back on the Norman Goldman Show. And it's always great to be here. Well, Jamie, we've got three big topics today, so we really have to kind of keep up a brisk pace. But the lead topic is one you and I have talked about a lot. Uh, last week, we discussed that there was a, a brand new Tesla autopilot accident, a driverless car. Thing just at 65 mile an hour, just plowed right into a parked. Uh, fire engine. Fortunately, nobody got hurt, amazingly. And so this is the latest accident right here in our backyard in the LA area. And so we're talking driverless cars and we remain concerned that this stuff is being rushed out with inadequate uh, supervision and oversight. Jamie, is there some new developments that we need to know about? There are, but, but first, I don't know if you saw this news about Elon Musk, who's the CEO of Tesla. He insists that, you know, his efforts to sell the, the, these, these autopilot technologies, we talked about the crash last week, you know, safety is his top priority. Yet he just started selling personal flamethrowers by the tens of thousands. No joke. Personal flamethrowers? I'm, flame I'm telling you, he, he, but he, there's this personal flamethrower brand, and the guy picked up to taking the selling his brand over a weekend. He apparently sold like 50,000 flamethrowers. And this is the guy who we're trusting to the safety of our driver. Actual flamethrowers. The thing actually Actual throws flamethrowers because you know, when you have a ranch, it's great to be able to blow things up. Of course, unless you live in oh. California, fires spread. So true story anyway, but that's consistent with this larger story, which is, driverless cars, robot cars are not ready for prime time uh, unless you don't care about caution. And there are these reports every year from the California Department of Motor Vehicles that our group helped to make public. Uh, they were private and years ago we petitioned to make them public and the Department of Motor Vehicles did. And these are basically the only national and probably international public results of what robot car testing means. Uh, we have test drivers in the car and this is uh, these are disengagement reports. So every time that the computer has to disengage and is disengaged by the test driver because they feel this is a safety problem, it gets reported to the state. And we found that Waymo, which used to be called Google, Google's Autonomous Vehicle Unit, it is still owned by Google, they just renamed it, it had about 352,000 miles in the robot cars, uh, 75 robot cars in California, and the driver had to take control literally every 5,500 miles, wow. about 63 times. That failure rate is still better. Uh, than most of the others, a lot better. And the failure rate is slightly better only than the last year, 2016 period, when the cars drove 600,000 miles and reported a, a, a disengagement every 5,100 miles where the driver had to take over. So basically these are cars that can go 5,000 miles, with, but after that 5,000 miles, there's got to be a human there. Now, our question is what, is when, what happens when there is no human there? In the case of GM's Cruise, which was just getting huge publicity, it claims it wants to put on these cars on the roads in 2019. It logged the second most miles of any of the 20 companies that were required to report the testing. GM Cruise drove the test drivers 86 cars, a total of about 131,000 miles, and they had 105 disengagement. That means every 1,254 miles, we saw a disengagement from GM's Cruise division. That is not self-driving cars. That is 
uh, a autonomous car that needs a human driver there to take control when things happen. Like, right. Uh, traffic congestion or bicycles or ambulances or potholes or weather. These types of things continue to plague these cars. If you go to consumerwatchdog.org, you can see that, you know, there are most of these test driving cars can't make it 500 miles or 1,000 miles without someone taking over. Waymo is by far the best. They've been doing it the longest, and they can't make it more than 5,000 miles. So we're not there, and yet we're being sold to put these cars on the road immediately when they're just not ready. Well, Jamie, if I if I got it right, we're talking about a, a disengagement on average every 5,500 miles or 5,100 miles, or in the case of the cruise, like 1,200 miles. But, but if I understand this right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we never know when that disengagement is going to be needed, and that's the key. You, you need a human being basically ready to take over at any moment's notice. It just so happens that every 5,500 miles, 5,100 miles, whatever it is, we, we have a disengagement, but the key is you never know when you you're going to need it, right? So you just have to be ready right. all the time anyway. Do I have this right? Right, and yet they want to build these cars without steering wheels so people can't take over. Uh, and that's the next, uh, you know, reiteration of this. Uh, it's it's an about, you know, um, what's called the, the level four car where you go in a geofenced area, let's say, you know, a certain uh, area of, of streets, and there are no human drivers. And that's what the federal uh, regulators have made possible, that tomorrow... GM crews can say, we're going to drive our car in, in this geofenced area, and we're not going to have a driver. Well, what happens when they need to disengage and there's no driver there to take control? Someone dies. And it is this traffic congestion. It's bicyclists. It's ambulances. It's a type of urban traffic that can confuse a robot mm -hmm. and other human drivers, frankly, because that's the most, probably the most uh, troubling uh, problem for this technology, which is the robot cars and human drivers don't talk. They talk different languages. And so that's when crashes happen. And um, that's when accidents happen. And yet, you know, we're being used as guinea pigs. In fact, GM said in its cruise report, we like to use San Francisco as a test city because it's high congestion. There's so many opportunities for us to learn, <laughs> which is basically saying... <laughs> Run over pedestrians. Know, hey, man, kill someone. It is a teachable moment, I guess, when you're GM. Wow. Well, Jamie, you and I drive around Los Angeles. I mean, we're here in this right in the middle of this big congested city. And, and you know, it, it, I find it impossible to conceive of how a computer could navigate these congested cities, that, uh, streets that I have to drive through. Anyway, Jamie, I've got to keep it moving because we've got three topics, and that's a big first one. If you're just joining us, please check out ConsumerWatchdog.org because ConsumerWatchdog.org has a president, and that's Jamie Corden. We're talking to him. We talk with Jamie every week. Been doing it almost since the beginning of the show. Check out Jamie's great colleagues as well. There's a big group of people there at ConsumerWatchdog.org, and they're doing a heck of a job on our behalf. We need them now more than ever. And, Jamie, I went to consumerwatchdog.org earlier today and I saw a story that just it grabbed my attention as for a lot of reasons a lot of reasons one of the big ones is I'm seeing a lot of TV commercials these days for companies I'm not going to start naming them but companies that offer genetic testing and I know insurance companies with especially health insurance companies life insurance companies they'd love to have all kinds of genetic information on us and I know consumer watchdog is talking about the privacy risks of genetic testing kits. So Jamie, what is, what's the issue here? And, and, and I'm just kind of naturally uh, concerned about people knowing what's in my genes. Jamie, am I just being old school conservative here? And not if you care about the consequences of that. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that these testing companies, 23andMe, 
and, and the others, they, they basically take a swab of your DNA, then they test it for what they, you know, advertise as your, your, your origins, your ancestry. And you want to know, you know, what percentage Italian, what percentage of, uh, of Ethiopian Jew are you? And, and the reality is um, they take the sample, and it appears that they test it for a lot more. So when you look at the sites, for instance, of 23andMe, they take your DNA and they say, for a little extra money after you purchase a sample, we can also tell you about your health risks, which means that they're testing you about what your DNA sample has says about your health risks. Plus, they appear to be preserving the sample, which means it can be used and can be shared. In fact, people consent about 80% of the time for their for their data to be used for health research. Now, it's supposed to be anonymized. But the fact is, once it's there, once someone has a sample of your DNA, once someone has an analysis of the health risks of your DNA, it can be used for all sorts of things. And while there are prohibitions in different states on genetic discrimination, um, if you know, for instance, let's say you did a genetic test and you find you're at uh, significant risk of, uh, of cancer, you know, that is something that, you know, your life insurance company may ask you about. They may ask you if you have cancer in the family. They may ask you, uh, you know, about your medical records. They may ask you about a whole bunch of things. And in, depending on state, what state you live in, they may have the right to do that. What if they take uh, the so, position that you have a continuing obligation to tell them of, of things that you discover? And what, so what if your health insurance company, or your, pardon me, your life insurance company says, hey, you discovered five years ago that you've got a propensity for colon cancer and you didn't tell us. I mean, that's that impacts the risk here. So we're avoiding the policy now that you're dead and making a claim. Jamie, that could be a real situation. It could be because we had this with health insurance. We've had this with life insurance. Usually there's about two years in which if you don't disclose something on your application that you know is a risk, they will come back or can come back and rescind the policy. And it usually happens when you need the health insurance, you got big medical bills, or when you die and you have life insurance and someone said, wait a second, you didn't tell us this. And there are a whole series of legal cases over this. We won the right under Obamacare to prevent retroactive rescissions for innocent omissions on an enrollment application, but not for outright fraud. And one day, some insurance company is going to say it's fraud if you knew you had a history of uh, cancer in your family from a genetic test and you didn't disclose it. Now, of course, if you do disclose it, they can decide not to give you that life insurance policy. So, it, it, you know, especially insurance, which is regulated by the states. And while there are patchwork laws against genetic discrimination, there isn't a blanket law, uh, as far as I know, uh, that covers the insurance industry, which is regulated state by state. Jamie, this is really, really chilling stuff. And so I, for my part, I've never had a genetic test. I have no interest in one. I'm not going to do it. And I leave it for each individual to decide what they want to do. You indicate 80% of people say, okay, I'll consent to it for research. It's supposed to be anonymized. Everybody gets to you know, make their, it's like a vote. Everybody gets one. You get one body. You get to make your own choices. Uh, but Jamie, I've got to ask you about uh, uh, the three titans of industry that we've been speaking about this week. A giant announcement. Very vague as to what they mean by it, but when I say three titans of industry, I'm talking about Jeff Bezos, Jamie Dimon, and Warren Buffett, and that's Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Berkshire Hathaway, respectively, and they said they're going to do something big in healthcare, pharmaceuticals. I was talking about maybe they'll just start a third-party administrator to, you know, negotiate prices. They left it very vague, but Jamie, I guess the question to you is, can three titans of industry save the healthcare industry in the United States? Well, I think uh, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, the irony is 
they're dealing with this problem because government's largely washed its hands of any systemic solutions. So we have a vacuum. And in healthcare, vacuums tend to produce sea changes. You know, we saw HMO medicine grow out of the failure of the Clinton healthcare plan, and we saw that the PPOs came from the failure of HMOs to please people when they try to cut costs. And then we saw the skinny uh, doctor and hospital networks and the insurance we've had under Obamacare, coupled with higher insurance costs, driving this space for something new. And these guys are trying to take care of their own employees, which maybe are a million people. But what they're doing is what we should do as a nation, which is, or what they claim to be doing, which is driving down doctor and hospital and drug prices so that they can better and more efficiently uh, cover more people. And that's what the rest of the world does through a plan called single payer. Uh, so I think if their experiment says this is how you drive down costs for doctors, hospitals, and uh, drug companies by, uh, you know, being a bigger buyer and getting a better price, why don't we all do it as Americans? That's going to help America. I mean, Buffett's, Buffett's already uh, said he thought single payer was probably the best deal for America while he wasn't a healthcare expert years ago. I think that they're going to find it's very hard to really take a million people in the healthcare system and make a big change. We got to do it with 350 million people. We got to do it with the whole country. And um, that unfortunately requires a host of changes in laws and in cultural expectations for the medical establishment and what the medical establishment frankly expects to get paid, you know, uh, in European nations where you get you, you get excellent care for zero dollars it's tax dollars and you pay almost nothing out of pocket when you have major surgery the doctors are uh, trained uh by the state the state pays their medical education but when they get out they don't get to make millions of dollars as cardiac surgeons they make a living and more uh our doctors the best doctors in america expect a whole lot more than that the best hospitals in america try to gouge you on every dollar they're not owned by the state the drug companies here don't play fair. They charge us 66% more because the government's not negotiating them as a bulk purchaser of 350 million people. And they fought that off in Congress. So those changes are still the changes we need to make. And if I can get uh, Bezos, Diamond, and Buffett on board with a single payer plan, they will change America. But I'm not sure we can do that. Jamie, I've got to leave it there, but my goodness gracious, the developments, the changes, all that's going on between people genetic testing and, and driverless cars and now the, the gyrations in the healthcare industry. Jamie, the times they are changing and rapidly people having trouble keeping up. I'm glad you and I keep up every week. If you just joined us, please do just go over to on the internet consumerwatchdog.org they're there just like everybody else on the internet consumerwatchdog.org very nice website really great information for consumer protection and we need consumer protection these days jamie quartz the president thank you so very much as always for being part of the team and jamie we'll talk to you next week thank you norm